0: It's football's biggest week.
1: Our offense is moving the way it's moving, but, you know, in that run game, you have interchangeable pieces back there. Everybody's kind of eating up front. Um, They're always on the same head. We all just we all
2: do it together. To be on the world stage, have two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl, I
0: think it's special, and I'm just glad that we can kind of set the stage for guys that are uh, kids that are coming up now. And so uh, uh, it'll be a great game, two great teams, and then it gets another great quarterback.
2: This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray, brought to you by George McCoy at Warren Allen Attorneys at Law. Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen online at WarrenAllen.com. Super Week with Dirt. And on 1080, my baby boy did what he always do. You know, he's gonna show up and show out. The fan,
0: welcome back in. Unfortunately, no smoking that Joe Burrow right now. Been
2: meaning to smoke a Joe Burrow, but I still haven't in 2023 yet. No Joe Burrows yet in 2023. I love good. I love smoking a good Joe Burrow. Yeah, from I don't smoke a lot of cigars in the winter. Cigars are mainly golf. Barbecue, you know, barbecuing, hanging outside on the patio, sure. Like those, those are the, when the majority of my cigars get smoked. But I just
0: enjoy doing it. I do too. I the, do too. You know, the first time I smoked a cigar was with him. And You didn't know what you were doing. No, I had no clue. <laughs> I never smoked a cigar. I didn't understand it. I was inhaling right, way too hard. I was coughing. <laughs> I got halfway through and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore.
2: I'm out. <laughs> We were we were pretty drunk. We we, <laughs> we had a, we, we were drunk. To be we, fair, yeah, we it was were a drunk. shocking development. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a good time in bed. We were on the Bendale Trail. <laughs> we were. <yeah>. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. had a few IPAs throughout the day, and I thought we need a cigar tonight. Let's go get whiskey, Sprager. <laughs> Okay, I think we ate a really rare steak and had a couple of whiskeys and then smoked a cigar. It's just manly of a night. Nice Sorry you can I have. never got to
0: go on the Bendale trail, man. <laughs> to, to 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 sum up how hammered we are, we ate at what we thought was a very good steak restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being good, but I also remember being really drunk. Yeah. We got to take our significant others the next year and we like you, we got to go to the steakhouse. And we weren't quite as drunk. We ordered the same meal. And my wife threw up in the hotel that oh, night. No, mine was, did too. It was not a meal that aged the same way that I had remembered
2: it. I think mine just wasn't quite as prepared for uh, medium rare edging on the side of rare Dude, steak it was as rare. she should have yeah, mm. been. It was rare <laughs> steak. I was like, oh,
0: my God, this is awful.
2: Our relationship was too new. I hadn't had the ability for five years to build up her rare meat tolerance. And now we're now we're to a good spot. Don't pull that. You've given her a good meat tolerance a good, now? A good rare meat tolerance. It takes time. You don't just adjust to it right away. You got to build. It's a process. You learn trial and error. It's a whole thing. You figure out what works for you.
0: I don't even want to know what the air part of that is. I I want nothing to do with that. Um, The Super Bowl. Hey, it's (laughs) this weekend. I'm excited. It's on Sunday. Yeah. There's a good article um, about how Kansas City built this thing with Brett Veach who had to step in as the – they fired John Dorsey randomly. This was a surprise firing years ago. And they brought in Brett Veach, who is the general manager now, and he basically said they had just drafted Mahomes. And he sits down with all these front office people who were still floored that they had just lost their boss. And he basically says, we have to build the team assuming we are paying this dude the biggest of contracts. Yeah. And it's a really good deep dive about how the Chiefs, it was by Albert Breer of MMQB, and it's basically the five-year plan for the Kansas City Chiefs. And what have they done the last five years? Go to the AFC title game every year. It's the Kansas City Chief Invitational. It's a really good deep dive of just how they were able to balance winning while on a rookie deal while also preparing financially to do about it once they, you know, how to build the team once they had to pay Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, And it's interesting. Like you look on this team, a lot of rookies, 24 of the 53 players are new. I mean, his targets, they're banged up going into this game. He's going to – Jeremy Fowler of ESPN this this weekend on ESPN Radio reported that Hardman's not playing. They won't say it, but he says he's not playing.
2: No, they put him on the IR
1: yesterday. Yeah, Okay, I missed that. So So they did
0: activate – Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire. Hilaire. Yeah, Yeah, and they expect Juju and – Kadarius Tony to be able to play in this, but it's just a, it's a really good read in a, in a explaining how you can build a franchise out this way, even under this assumption that the guy you just drafted, we don't even need to see him play. We picked him, we trust it. He's going to be the franchise guy. Yeah. Now, what do we do the next five years? Voila, here you go. Here's the Kansas City Chief run.
2: Yeah, there's there's almost a segment that's on top of this about what's going to happen with Philly this offseason because their general manager and owners have come out with comments this week about Jalen Hurts that we can get to later in the show. But I, I think to me it's a testament. You give the general manager a lot of credit because you got to find guys that are value players in the second, third, and fourth round that can help you win. But I also think it's a testament to what Patrick Mahomes is as a quarterback. Like we go through this a lot in the NFL, this fear of, with the new salaries and how much you're paying guys, are you going to be able to put a competent roster around them? Like That's a it's a big fear in Dallas with guys like Dak Prescott. It's a big fear everywhere you go in different NFL markets. If we pay X 40, 45, $50 million a year, are we going to have enough? Is he enough to lift us over the roster shortcomings that are going to come from that? And I think Mahomes is a prime example of, in this situation, is a prime example of him being head and shoulders better than the rest of the NFL because they lost Tyreek Hill, who for a brief period in time this year looked like he was going to shatter receiving records until his quarterback uh, brain melted after his fourth concussion, right? When they lost Tyreek Hill, there was a legitimate week or two in NFL discourse last offseason of how are they going to replace this? Is Kansas City going to be okay? Are they going to survive? Tyreek Hill was their deep, explosive weapon. Like, How are you going to possibly duplicate that level of production? And here they are. They went 14-3. and three, They hosted the AFC title game. They won the AFC title, and they're back in the Super Bowl. And I think a lot of that goes to Mahomes. And that's, this is why I was so impressed with what he did in the AFC title game. Not only was he playing on one leg, he was under siege for a lot of that second half and but on top of that he lost two of his top wide receivers in that game. I mean he he was playing essentially with his you know third, fourth and fifth wide receivers at that point. Tony got hurt, Hardman got hurt. Now we know he's not going to play in the Super Bowl. He still has Travis Kelsey which is a great weapon to have. He's the best tight end in the NFL right now. But it, it to me it's a testament to a general manager who was hit on some of these Borderline draft picks, especially on the offensive line to help Mahomes out with some of these later draft picks. But also it's Mahomes, who, to me is is kind of foolproof no matter what happens to him around around him on the rest of that roster, he's going to be able to lift you up. you know,
0: the accountability part of that position is the is one of the more underrated parts of it. And what I mean by the accountability, It's not stepping to a podium and saying, oh, "I didn't play well or oh, yeah, I threw a pick or oh, it was a it was a bad read. It's 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 what we talked about with Brady and Belichick. And maybe we have this with Reed and Mahomes. I don't know. I don't know how long this is gonna last. But it's been going five years now and they might cap it off with their second Super Bowl. I think what you can see is this is why I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers guy. Obviously the talent speaks for itself. He's a league MVP. He's he he's probably, or if not the greatest thrower of the football. The 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 mechanics, the touch. It's why you love him, right? It's why he's your GOAT. Mm -hmm. I don't like him because I don't think his personality type is leadership quality. I don't think it's... If I was to have a quarterback, it would be more in the nature of Mahomes Brady. Guy that allows coach to be coach. Not, let me trounce all over you, be Kyler Murray and undress you on national television. And Look, Tom Brady had moments where he was caught on camera screaming at a Josh McDaniels or a Bill O'Brien or throwing an iPad. That's not what I'm talking about. It's the stuff that you don't see that you can tell is evident when they play. And that's being able to be addressed in front of the team. It's the coach being able to pick on your weaknesses, meet with you, talk to you about how you need to get better, even though you're already great, right? Those are things that Patrick Mahomes, those are attributes that Mahomes seems to have. And it's, it's what makes, I think, some of these players separate from the others is the ability to say, I want to be coached. Whereas some guys, I think, say they do, but in a lot of moments they push back and they don't because they're great. And I just think it takes a special kind of personality type and it appears that Mahomes has this. Yeah.
2: And he explains why you got Kansas City five straight years at this at this stage. Well, you got something similar like that going on in, in Denver right now, where their new coaches basically had to come out and say no personal quarterback coaches are gonna be allowed in the building. Like I, I think some NFL quarterbacks have turned to a certain extent almost into like I don't know. Two diva yeah diva's probably divas. the right word they are like you, you think of high school big time recruits coming out of high school and going to college a lot of them struggle because they're coached and they're criticized for the first time in their lives and they're told their entire life leading up to that that they're the best you're the best you're gonna be in the nfl you're gonna be in the nfl and then you get to college and it's like wait a minute this guy's putting me on the bench he's riding me hard in practice he's criticizing me in film sessions like what the hell is this some guys have the demeanor and the mentality that can handle it and some guys don't and some guys will run from that level of coaching that that kind of challenge i think you've seen that with a lot lot of quarterbacks in the NFL where Russell Wilson to me is a prime example of this a guy that he hires his own coaches and I guarantee his own coaches are probably telling him what he wants to hear he's not getting criticized left and right you're not paying somebody to criticize you and tell you how bad you are and where your weaknesses are I think it's a lot of positive reinforcement and so to have a coach and a quarterback that's willing to take that level of teaching I'm I'm with you 100% on that the other part of it too is and we see this all the time in the in the modern game with these quarterback contracts you have to find a way to build an offensive line speaking of Russell Wilson it was the biggest issue that faced them when they paid him in Seattle. They had an elite offensive line, an elite run game. Now you're paying him $35 million. What don't you have anymore? You don't have much of a run game. You don't have an elite offensive line. He's running for his life. You look at what Kansas City has done. I mean, you make the move. You get Orlando Brown to be your left tackle. You get Joe Tooney from New England. That was a nice pickup. And then you had two draft picks in 2021. Creed Humphrey, who's your center, I think he was a third-round pick. And then Trey Smith, who's your right guard, was like a sixth-round pick in 2021. And those guys were slotted in essentially immediately to be starting offensive line and they've been solid for you you get andrew wiley your right tackle who was the guy that was a practice squad journeyman bounced around to five different teams in five different years now he's found a home and he's settled in as your starting offensive line like you have to find creative ways to build that out and if they had missed on any of those prospects Maybe Kansas City isn't here, and maybe my Mahomes can lift anybody up around him Take doesn't age as well. But because of the offensive line that they've built, because, remember, that was the reason they lost in the Super Bowl. They had offensive linemen get hurt. He had to run for his life. That offseason they had to essentially rebuild the entire starting offensive line. And in the last two years they've gone to the AFC title game, a game they were damn close to winning in overtime last year. And then this year they won the game, and they might go win another Super Bowl. We had uh, yesterday, it's not Patrick Mahomes, but Jalen Hurts did his media stuff as
0: well. Yesterday's big media day for the Super Bowl. We got more on this coming up today. Uh, But I want to play this because we talk about uh, being wrong and quarterbacks, are they the right guy? You mentioned Jalen Hurts. If they win, you know, Jeffrey Lurie basically said, he's our dude. There's no doubt we're going to pay him. And I'm happy for Jalen Hurts, genuinely happy. I think Jalen Hurts, he might not be Patrick Mahomes, but he does work well with what they are. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what they do in the Super Bowl. There was a media member. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. There's a media member yesterday, and I'm assuming this is a Philly guy, uh, tells Jalen Hurts, I didn't think you could do this. And I love that you – we don't get this normally at these at these podium sessions. Take a listen to how Jalen Hurts responds to it. We get to the Super Bowl with you. I'm not the only one. I just wanted to say man-to-man, so I'm sorry.
2: Cool. Jalen Hurts
0: being kind of the – Cool. Cool. Hey, I was wrong. You're
2: amazing. Cool. Cool. Thanks, man. I think it just speaks like, I, I don't care. We've had to do that a lot on the show over the last year. Gino Smith, Bo Nix, a, a lot of apologies. Jalen Hurts was one for me. A lot of apologies. I always feel like athletes would love that a little more. Maybe some would. I think they want that chip on their shoulder to remain. I think they want you to continue to doubt them and criticize them.
0: Well, because there's still people that don't buy Hurts as a franchise guy, which that could be a conversation today, tomorrow, one of the shows this week of like,
2: what does it mean for him to win the Super Bowl? Philadelphia, the quarterback, you, you mentioned the quarterback gets all the flowers and mm-hmm. they win. It's going to be all about Jalen Hurts, which will drive me nuts. But he he will be the center of attention. He will. He, and he will be. And Philadelphia will debate and talk about how much should they pay him.
0: And he's the franchise guy. And there's no debate now. It's his job. And there's nobody else to even consider for it. And that's the way the league is built for it. But I just love that a quarterback is being told, hey, I doubted you. I was way wrong. And his only response is, cool, cool. <laughs> Thanks man. Cool. Uh coming up next, we got Bobby Marks at the bottom of the hour. Never has something felt so far away as it was last night. That's next. Oh. LeBron James could break the NBA all-time scoring record tonight against Oklahoma City on TNT. 36 points away. Uh, Kevin Durant reacting to Kyrie Irving being traded in the most typical Kevin Durant fashion. <laughs> Uh, some NBA notes to get to. Bobby Marks is going to join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on the Blazers, who, look, I'm, I I know they've lost some games. They've been blown out. Uh, they've choked away leads. I, I'm i watching last night, man. And it's not that I had title aspirations whatsoever for this team. I wasn't even 100% certain they'd make the playoffs. I think my prediction was, like, a game above 500. Never, I I don't know how long it's been since I felt they were that far away from a championship than what the Bucks did to them last night.
2: It was like four minutes into the game, too. Like it, it wasn't even like they they let them hang around. I it, it was immediately a double digit deficit, and I don't know if Portland ever got it within single digits the rest of the game. So, what metric
0: or computer systems told DraftKings that was a four point spread? That line made no sense. That was the easiest bet I've I, won all I, year. Yeah, I don't. No sense. Four. Four. I. They were down 24 for most of that game. <laughs> well, they were scrapping a clock. And you just,
1: you know, Milwaukee was turning it over a ton. It was like they weren't fully engaged yet in that first half. I felt like Milwaukee allowed Portland to stay in it as much as. They stayed
0: close to like within eight. And Giannis you know. was
1: making stupid fouls. He yeah. only played like 10, 11 minutes
0: in the first half. Yeah, thanks
2: for nothing, Giannis. I bet your damn point total over. Mm. And he picked up five fouls and only played 23 minutes. And he still was. Two assists shy of a triple-double. <laughs> he still had 24 <laughs> points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists in 23 minutes. Well, but I know people would respond
0: and say, well, guys, Portland doesn't have any bigs. Nurkic isn't playing. And they didn't hit their perimeter shots. And I would respond with, Milwaukee didn't play a clean game either, no, and they, they trounced
1: no. you. They they played one quarter, the third quarter they got serious. Bootenholzer or somebody over there said, "Hey, let's buckle down and take care of this thing." And that was it.
2: It's also another reminder too of the situation that you're in and your lot in life, and that is when you when you play a good defensive team. And Milwaukee is a very good defensive team. With Drew Holiday and Giannis, especially in the starting lineup, they have the ability to take away your your strength, and your strength is Damian Lillard, and they bottled him up for essentially three quarters last night. I mean, he got going a little bit in the second half, mostly from the foul line, and I think he ended up hitting 12 free throws on the night, but he had a really off shooting night. He hit the one from half court that was a lot of fun, but it was a slow shooting night for him because Milwaukee was trapping him. They were getting the ball out of his hands, and it becomes a challenge of, hey, anybody else want to do anything? Anybody else You in your one-on-one matchups and your wide-open looks? Anybody else want to make a shot? Anybody else want to try and help the team? And the answer last night was no. Jeremy Grant was terrible. Couldn't make a shot to save his life. Anthony Simons had a very quiet 21 points. I thought Seems he like was a, he was aggressive and he had good takes to the hoop, but he couldn't buy a three. Couldn't buy a three. Five. He was no. oh, 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 one of five from three. Um, and so he just did well, nothing off the bench. Yeah, if Shaden this team really doesn't
1: make threes and space the floor, I think Lamar dropped the stat they were 0 and 10 or maybe 0
0: and 11 now when they make fewer than 10 threes as a team in a game? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're perimeter-oriented team yeah. for sure. Uh, I saw this on Twitter from uh, Chris Lucia. I hope I'm saying that right. He put out a random factoid that I saw on our show Twitter account. It was like, Damian Lillard's bench basically his entire career in Portland, and I think <laughs> the best year they had on a points-per-game average is the 16th best bench in the NBA. <laughs> Every other year it's like twenty third, twenty fourth, thirtieth, twenty seven, twenty-two. It's yeah. like he just he never has a bench and I think it's the tough thing is to watch him in games like that where twenty-eight doesn't cut it. He needs a little more from other guys in those moments. And unfortunately you just you weren't gonna get it against them. I mean, Giannis and Brooke Lopez combined for twenty two rebounds. You're twenty eight as a team. <laughs> two guys. Damn near single handedly. At one point, they were out rebounding the Portland Trailblazers. Your starting center, who I love, Drew Eubanks, is a lot of fun. He had four rebounds on the night. I mean, that's a horrific matchup for him. He was caught on a mic. He was mic'd up last night. Yeah. And he was talking to uh, John Butler about taking the charge. Yeah. He goes, You got to take a charge against Giannis? And Butler kind of (laughs) just stares and he's like, "Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then he didn't. cuz it's he did as...
1: posterize Joe Ingles though. He
0: did. That was okay. a nice little dunk. guy. Uh, yeah. Old white guy who just had ACL surgery and can't Former trouble. Blazer. Joe Blazer Ingles. legend. <laughs> Joe Ingles. Absolutely. I'd still rock an Ingles jersey. I put up a poll question here and we'll ask Bobby Marks how he feels about this. And I I know I do ridiculous poll questions on the Blazers and I love when you guys tell us. This is stupid. This is a dumb poll. Are the Blazers within 3 years of reaching that potential? Because they're not even the best team in the East, by the way. They're second. And so I'm just holding them up as the poster child of mm-hmm. title contender. When you say title contender in the league, you would probably look at a picture yeah. of Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Just one or two years ago. Portland's plan was not to be that this year. We know that. But their plan, if you were to ask them, it's we want to be that in two to three years. Sometimes it isn't always easy to see. What is that old saying? See the forest through the trees? Yeah, that works. Are we with do you, do you see a scenario I put up a poll question on this within 3 years can we get to the buck level in the NBA yes possibly no
2: hell no I I answered possibly yeah and the only po- the, the, the the yes you would have to have a Giannis on your team and Giannis is one of one there's only one of him he's dominant he's the best player in the NBA and you don't have you don't have that Damian Lillard is great he is not he's not Giannis the reason I answered possibly is because you have assets, especially after this season when the Chicago pick gets figured out. they got it. They got to figure that out so they can trade multiple first-round picks. But you have assets to make an all-in move. And if you made an all-in move, possibly you could get there. What if I told you Jake Fisher said yesterday on
0: a podcast, our good friend Jake Fisher. Yes, yeah, friend of the show that the talk around the league is that Josh Hart being an interesting piece for teams is mostly coming from Portland. The only team right now that seems to be interested, according to Fisher, is Cleveland. Aha. Uh-huh. What if I told you the scenario where Nurk and Hart are back after the deadline? Well, the, the that's going to be a failure of a trade deadline. That would be horrible There's because Hart no dressing and putting lipstick on that pig. That no. is... A, that's an atrocious trade deadline if both those dudes are back.
2: You have to get out of the Nurkic contract. I don't care what you have to give up. to. You just you have to get out of that deal. I'm the, telling you, I don't think that's coming until the summer. It I hope might I'm not. Wrong. And it, it, as long as it comes in the summer, I, I, whatever, I can deal with a couple more months of watching him play. He is not the long-term answer at center. You need a massive upgrade there. We, we've, we've tried that experiment. It's not working. You gave him the contract because of weird stipulations last year. You have to get out of that deal. The Hart one would be a glaring mistake because he's going to decline his player option this offseason, and he's going to be a free agent and he's going to go elsewhere and in order to recoup that salary in return you're already up against like the tax threshold or whatever they're going to be over the tax over the t- year. you're not going to be able to go sign some- what is heart making this you're 12 13 million something Somewhere like that there, yeah. you're not going to be able to go sign somebody for 12 13 million dollars that's not how it works so you got to bring salary in return in hopes it's a young player or a guy with another year or two of control that could be a role player for you down the road you got to turn that asset into something and i'm hoping that they can move hard i I don't necessarily know if I buy that completely. I think Hart is a he's a good player. He's an energy guy, he's an effort guy. He does the little things. He can play, you know, play different positions. To me, there's a fit there on a playoff team that's looking for that kind of bulldog type guy coming off the bench or a gritty defender, if you will, in the starting lineup. Like, if you can't trade that, you got issues. The Nurkic contract, that's different. You're going to have to attach something because that's a horrible deal. And I don't know why any team would want to sign up for three years of that deal. But Hart, I would would hope that there's some value on the open market. Yeah, I mean, but like, what if it's Isaac Okoro? And that's fine. Is Isaac Okoro under contract for longer than one season? Mm, I actually don't know his contract. Top okay, of my head. No, so go Google it because that to me is the only key. If you lose Josh Hart in free agency, you cannot essentially replace that salary, and that that becomes the problem. So you got to turn that $12, dollars into something that you believe can be a part of your next yeah. two to three year window. He,
0: he's under contract. He's he's got this year, and then he's got next year. His okay. cap hit is about eight point nine.
2: Okay, it's perfect.
0: Uh, you know he, he's. Sure. It's not a game changer, not, but
2: not you, the greatest move, but not a bad move. To He's no. t- 22. You got a future asset for an, in a year that you're not winning anything. Maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they don't. But you're not winning a championship this year. Yeah. And so I, I think the 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 goal at the trade deadline, as much as I would love to see the big swing, it's not going to happen in the next week or in the next two days. It, it, it is to set yourself up to a point where you can make that swing in the summer. Because at some point you're gonna have to take a. If you don't take a swing, you're the same team you've been with Neil O'Shea, who was unwilling to make some of these trades. But you have assets, man. You have you have enough to get in the door of some of these teams and for some of these players to at least begin conversations. And you haven't been able to say that about Portland in a while. Or coro uh, is averaging
0: 35.6 percent from three, 50 percent from the field, six points, two boards. How tall is he? He's six Okay, I'll take him. He's kind of a bigger body too, so he can he can play. You know. Some of the forwards in this league can match up that way. Okay, but I mean, he's six five. They just—they're not big. That's why I don't get why that was a four-point line last night. You could see that ass kicking coming a mile away. You know who kicked their ass too that way? Orlando. What yeah. is Orlando? Tall, big, big, tall teams. Not a good matchup for this one.
2: Let's go get Mo Bamba. He's punching uh, Austin Rivers in the face.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like the idea, of it. I just, I don't, why would Orlando want Nurkic? I wouldn't understand that at all. I wouldn't either. Um, The Nurkic contract, it's atrocious. It almost feels like a negative asset. Uh, Bobby Marks, ESPN, he covers the NBA. He has a good read on front office stuff. We'll get his thoughts on the Trailblazers. We'll dive back into the Super Bowl. We got the mail sack at 815 and some college football notes to get to as well. Dirt and Sprague back with Bobby Marks. On 1080, the fan. In this
2: wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about and some you haven't.
1: how do you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The
2: Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, Daily Ticker time here on a Tuesday. Let's talk some NBA, shall we? The NBA trade deadline's in 48 hours. Will Portland do anything? We had a big trade over the weekend. Lots to discuss with our good friend, Bobby Marks, ESPN. NBA front office insider at Bobby Marks 42 on Twitter. Be thankful there was not a major trade in the NBA this morning, so we're good to go with Bobby. Bobby, (laughs) uh, I'm not going to ask you about Kyrie, because I'm sure you've probably been asked about that a thousand different ways over the last two days. Let me ask you this. We were just asking the question to our listeners. Portland played Milwaukee last night, and it was not competitive. It was not close. Sure. Milwaukee showed us what a championship-caliber team looks like. Does Bobby Marks believe Portland can get to that point in the next two to three years?
1: I, I, I think you can, but it's going to probably take sacrificing some of the players that you currently have on your roster and, and maybe some of the pl- players that you've drafted within the past year um i i think the, my big question with with portland and and i said this in the off season and i said it when the season ended is that what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish is you know retool a roster around a franchise player and damian lillard and that is hard to do guys <laughs> i mean that is really hard to do and that's why when they got off to that 10 and 5 start i was like man like they are proving like the impossible here and my big question with portland is is that do the players on the roster fit the timeline of lillard right like that's the big thing it's it's kind of similar to yeah i guess a little bit like golden state but with their more of their younger players like Kaminga and wiseman in that group there do the, the, those guys fit the timeline of curry and thompson and green here and what what, the, what i mean is is that anthony's been good i mean you know what you've seen some stuff with shade and sharp he, i think his upside is huge but do those guys fit with where where Lillard is right now at this stage of his career. Um, and if they do, if you think they do, then how do you get better, right? Like how do you, because the likelihood is that you're going to have to pay Jeremy Grant big money. Um, you know, Josh Grant, uh, Josh Hart's going to be a, a free agent likely. Um, you know, he could be moved in the next 48 hours. We'll see. Um, you just spent a lot of money on in free agency here. Your draft picks encumbered um, for the foreseeable future here. So, that's that's kind of my you know that's the big question I'm sure you guys talk about is that just the, the, the players on this roster does that fit you know kind of the, the Lillard timeline, yeah.
0: Bobby? If if Joe Cronin was to reach out and say, hey, Bobby, I love your stuff on ESPN. You're a smart guy. You've been in the front office. You understand the business side of this, but you also understand what you just said there. You're you're yeah. operating on two timelines right now, and you know we interviewed Cronin a few months back. He admitted like this is. It's not an easy thing to balance, and I'd imagine he'd say something of that nature right now of where they're at. Would you advise him to make a huge swing at the deadline or this summer? Like, would you really want to wait? Because there's chatter that they might wait till the next deadline. Would you really want to wait that much longer before maybe moving some of your young big pieces that could net you something that's more in
1: line with Dame Lillard? I think you have to be careful waiting. And yeah, I do. You have to be patient, but I think you have to be careful waiting. I just think this Western Conference is so open. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you make a, a, a tweak here or a move here, like, and I know where Portland is in the standings, and certainly where Denver is sitting at one, but everyone else, like, I, I mean, I, I would I would be comfortable if there's a if, if there's a little bit of a changing of you know some players, you know different faces if there's a little bit of an upgrade, even if it costs you something that you can put Portland in one of these seven game series here uh, against a team like Memphis or Dallas or any of these other teams here. So I do think there's a little bit, maybe more of a a pressing, you know, urgency based on, you know, where the, where, where the standings are. You know, I think, I think you have to be careful. Um, I know Damien signed that extension and God, that guy is, I mean, They're going to build a statue after him when he's done playing here because his loyalty to that organization and to that city here. But I just think because he's under contract, you know, who knows next week he wakes up or next in the summer and be like, you know what, this has been a good run here. So I think there is a priority to keep on building, you know, similar to what Brooklyn's trying to do with Durant right now. You've got to keep on adding, um, and I, I think you can't. Say, you know what? We're going to look at the what you know. Look at all these things at the draft or in free agency. That's another avenue to do it. Um, but I do think there is a little bit more of a pressing need right now at the deadline.
2: Hmm. We're talking with Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider at Bobby Marks forty two on Twitter. You, you mentioned the the kind of need to for some action sooner rather than later. How much as a front office guy does loyalty or wanting to reward a player weigh on your mind? Because I, I I know that's kind of the oh. angle that we come from, where it's like Dame has been so loyal to this organization, sure. and for, hell for the last ten years, there's a mil- million times we could look at it and say, why was he so loyal? It didn't make sense. And organization wasn't doing much to help him they didn't make many household moves it was kind of the same team year after year after year and they finally moved off cj last offseason is is there a sense of pressure you think in the front office of like man this guy has remained committed to us he's one of the few superstars in the nba that has done that we need to do this for him
1: yeah i think there's i think there's a sense of pressure but i i I think there's a sense of you know we can't do anything reckless um you know to to try to continue to, to build this roster i mean i went I went through to New Jersey when we had Jason Kidd um, for those, you know, what, six or seven years and going to an NBA finals and well, six years in a row of the playoffs here, there was a sense of pressure to kind of continue to add just that based on what this player meant to your organization and what he meant on the court to, to continue to add. The hard part is there's only, there's only 440 players in the NBA, you know, and it, 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 it takes two to t- tango. I mean, I love, i love trade season and everyone's coming up with different trades and stuff like that and it's it's just and it's so hard because it's it's this is the market is um robe it's not a a a buyer's market you know i've I've been given this analogy the last couple days my wife thinks it's funny it's like (laughs) You know, you, you guys go to the supermarket and you want to go buy eggs and the eggs are on, uh, you know, usually you get two, $2 for eggs or you get you to pay 15 bucks for eggs, you know, <laughs> like, do I need eggs to make omelets in the morning or can, can I can find something else to do it? And that's just kind of a guy that would maybe cost a first round pick last year is probably going to cost two first round picks this year. Nice. Like, that's just the reality of it. Like, if you want to go do business in Utah, for one of those guys, Beasley, or you know, or Carl um, Clarkson, or Vanderbilt, or anything like that, yeah, last year it probably cost you one. Now it's going to cost you a good player and, 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 a, and a good pick.
0: Is is Yusuf Nurkic's contract um, viewed around the league as a almost a net negative at this point?
1: I don't know about a net negative. I mean, I think that's the market for centers. His number is the is the is the right number. Like that fourteen, fifteen. You know, it's not north of twenty. Like. I just think it's like you've got three more years of it here. Um, He's hurt right now. Um, You know, is it? You probably would have to attach something um, to it if you're going to upgrade um, either the center position or something else on your roster. I think. I think the hard part is that is the draft pick stuff. You know, when you when you have protection on that pick that's going to Chicago and it's top 14 protected for the next uh, what is next five or six years here. It's that's hard to do a deal because. The, unless it's a home run type deal um that you can make, you're not going to probably lift the protection off this year's one because what happens if you fall in the in the lottery and that becomes the you know the, the the third pick in the draft here and everything that's that's really that's the hard part is that if you had a a little bit of a more of a cleaner slate with um with that number one then yeah maybe you could look at moving a twenty five and a twenty seven um you know t- you know to to try to get something else out there.
0: Is there a team that stands out in your mind if I say a Yusuf Nurkic is available? Because it's not just three years. I mean, it's also I, – I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a bit of an attitude. It's a up-and-down kind of nature with him. Is there a team that stands out that might be in the market for that? Because we don't get a lot of whispering here in Portland. They're, they don't leak stuff here to, to very many yeah, people, if any. Sure. And so I'm more curious, like, from from your standpoint – Is there a team that stands out that might be willing to take on that salary that needs a center?
1: Well, I mean, the teams that were willing to take on it, you know, whether it be San Antonio or Charlotte or teams like that, you know, that's where you have to probably attach something to it. Like, you know, is is he a replacement for Jakob Hurdle? They think he can leave and, and, and but what do you got to include there? And the other thing that's going to, it's hard too, guys. And you guys know, this is that where you are financially, right? Like right. you're 67,000 below. I mean, you're basically scrapping coins under the, under the sofa to stay under the luxury tax here. And, I don't see them you know, if, if you know, you got them taking back another million dollars in, in extra in contracts and going in, in that luxury tax year. So it's it's a little bit of a challenge. I think if he had um another year left on this contract, it's probably easier to move, but when you have um, you know, when you have three years left on his on his contract, it um, as I said, it, it presents um, you know not untradeable, but it's um, but it presents a challenge.
2: Can, can you go back, Bobby, for a moment because you you had mentioned that first round pick that is yeah. it, it has protections on it. Like a lot of that is like CBA minutia to us. You read it, sure. you're like, okay, yeah, I, yeah. I get it. It's Portland's pick, but it's kind of not Portland's pick. It's got to go in a certain territory. So explain sure. what because I've also read it was a bad deal from O'Shea to like handcuff the new general manager Joe Cronin with the protections that he put on it. There's also a way that they can can Lift the protections if they wanted to make a big trade. So, just what is happening, and how does that all play out?
1: <laughs> yeah, so so basically, how the league works, you can't trade picks, uh, first round picks, in back to back years. You're not allowed to do that. Um, you have a basically they call it a seven year window, right? So you basically have from 2023 to 2029, right? That's the only pool of first round picks you can you can trade. And that pick that's going to Chicago is top 14 protected. I think for the next, I think for the next six years here. So when you look at it like well how do I how can I trade a 2025? Well wait a minute there's protection on there. It's contingent there's if if they don't if Chicago doesn't get it it's a rolling over pick. Like you could there are ways to do it. Like you could say, "You know what? We can go out and uh, Kevin Durant's available, for example, right? Like all of a sudden Kevin Durant becomes available and we want to move Shaden and Anthony and whatever to to make a deal work here. Well, we're going to lift the pit, the protection off Chicago's now is going to get an unprotected one. And now we're going to trade Brooklyn at 2025 at 2027 at 2029 first unprotected here. Like there's ways to do it. You know, there's ways to do it where you could say it's two years after the pick to Chicago, um, you know, is, is conveyed. But the, the risk there uh, from for the, the other team is that there's no guarantee you ever get it. Right. right? Like right. You, keep, you keep on rolling over and over there. So that's, That's where you're a little bit of kind of stuck in there. I understand the deal with Neil did, you know, in the Larry Nance trade here. But I do think, um, you know, Washington's in the same spot as far as the protection there. Like, you know, you you just have to be careful as far as, um, you know, when you put protection on it for for six or seven years because it keeps on rolling over.
0: Kevin Durant, obviously, top five talent, Bobby. What would the price difference be under the assumption Portland's even in the conversation for a Kevin Durant versus, like, a Pascal Siakam? Because we know how Masai yeah. cherishes his <laughs> own talent. Uh, is that price difference that different? I mean, are we talking about Ant and Shaden plus draft for Pascal. Are we talking about Shaden and picks? Like, what's the big difference between Pascal and KD in the trade market to you?
1: Probably another year in their contract, right? Durant after this year has three more. Pascal has um has one more right could be a free agent um in the off season 2024 offseason um that matters right i know kevin's out with that that knee injury here but when he was playing he was top four in the nba you know from, from an mvp standpoint so i think the price is richer when you look at it from um you know from durant's perspective i think if if either became available and you wanted to get it in the mix, you know. Certainly, um, your young player um, is would be involved. Um, it's a matter of like what else, right? Like you know, the protection. Hey, if Kevin Durant became available and you were Joe Cronin, you can get him. Yeah, you're lifting the protection on that Chicago. You're you're basically going all in because that's the guy that fits, as I said earlier, kind of the t- timeline where Damien is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, hey, it wasn't a lot of encouraging news there, Bobby, but you got me excited at the end. And that's, that's all that I can <laughs> ask He got
1: for. you excited for a trade we
2: haven't even heard exists. It could that's happen. Great. You <laughs> never know, all right? You never know. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. We love talking to him. At Bobby Marks 42 on Twitter. Go give him a follow. We can do this for hours. Thanks, as always, for the time, Bobby. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. Thanks a ton, Bobby. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. There yeah. you go. Bobby Marks of ESPN. ESPN. Lift the picks. Lift, lift the protection on the pick. Trade it. Make but you, it happen. You're only doing that if you're getting Kevin Durant
0: or Pascal Siakam. I'd be willing to do it too because I, I wouldn't would be caring about the pick at that point. Nope. Um,
2: the Nurkic thing a concern. Let's talk about that a little bit next okay. because that was... I mean it just highlights how difficult that's going to be here in the next two days. A couple other NBA notes, including Kevin Durant's reaction uh, to what has transpired in Brooklyn. we got a ton of NFL stuff to get to in the final hour of the show. And the mail sack is coming up at 8.15. And uh, get your questions at 503 250 A little more on the NBA. We'll get back to football in the final hour. Back after this on the fan. The the uh, they always like to say the grass isn't greener trees. on the other side of the fence. Somebody who's learned that Probably harder than anybody is Kevin Durant who left the Golden State Warriors and won an NBA championship last year to go team up with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. He stood by his dude throughout the last couple of years, all the ups and downs and the storylines around Kyrie. He always stood by his guy. They're good buddies. And now Kyrie's gone. Kevin ran after the game last night, he's still out with an injury. It's a report from ESPN earlier this morning. He, they were trying to, hey Kevin, how you feeling? Just you know, get a quick comment from him. Quote. He just blew by everybody. Didn't want to say anything.
0: What do you say? I'm, I'm mad. My bad. I'm mad at the situation (laughs) I put myself in.
2: It's all his fault. He did it all to himself.
0: He reportedly gave Kyrie, you know, the whole, oh yeah, go ask for your trade, man. But. There's no other way to look at this than to say you you can be mad at nobody but yourself.
2: You did this to yourself. Like
0: the world screamed to you. Don't team up with that guy. Don't do it. He's toxic. Don't do it. You had Steph Curry. But because you made such a B move and went to that team (laughs) and then it, it impacted your life to the point where you created burner accounts, you felt what everybody knew. You had hollow championships. So what did you need to do? I need to go win one on my own. Well, what if I just do what LeBron did and I use the same guy? (laughs) Good luck. And it didn't work. did not work. And so I'm not surprised he didn't want to talk to Nick Friedle yesterday in the, you know, the back of the stadium as uh, they're emptying out and going home. Because what's he going to say? Hey, I'm mad at the situation in which I created. Like, that's what it was. That's what it is. Maybe they'll be a good team. I actually think they had a good little trade for that. Um, I don't feel Kyrie's particularly valuable, and I think they got good role players. Maybe they can move the Ben Simmons contract, though. Everybody kind of calls that just a disaster of a contract to try to trade. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to touch that. He's owed $80 million the next two years. Look, it's an opinion I was wrong on. I was willing to take a swing on Ben Simmons. I'm wrong. The dude clearly doesn't care about basketball the way other athletes do. And now he's in this in-between where he's either going to ask out or he's going to try to ride it out with Brooklyn after signing the contract. But I'm not surprised he doesn't want to talk about the situation that he helped create. It's all his fault. Being nothing but a... Disaster at this point.
2: Everybody just waiting for the next shoe to drop, right? Like at what point is that dude going to demand a trade and say, Get me the hell out of here, too? He did it this offseason and then they went back on it. They they settled their differences, and the Kyrie stuff felt like, all right, maybe they're gonna make this work for another year or two. And then Kyrie demands a trade and he gets dealt. I did enjoy some texts that were coming in. We were talking about the Blazers trade deadline coming up on Thursday, what they could do. You brought up a coro who was six foot five in one of our P1 sects and oh boy, the biggest six foot five player in the league. He goes with the biggest six foot three player in the league. And uh, we got another guy six foot four, so why not let's get the biggest six foot five player also. And we asked Bobby there, you know, I I think he's highlighting the challenge that Portland is facing that we've all known. Even Joe Cronin himself acknowledged it on this show prior to the season starting, and that is they got two different things going on at the same time, and it's very hard to do two different things at the same time. you got to go all in one way or the other, right? And it feels like more and more they're going to go all in on, let's build around Damian Lillard. That is where my Does money's – At least I'm hopeful. That's what they're going to try and do. They're not going to trade Damian Lillard in the next year unless he demands a trade. But if you don't trade your other two young assets, I don't know if that is well, what sure. they're doing. No, no doubt about that. I also am not I, – I, as much as I wanted as a fan, I'm not putting that level of expectation on Joe Cronin in his, in his first trade deadline as the full-time GM. Because I like is is Siakam- I mean, technically well? it's a full time yeah, full time? Right. Yeah, yeah, he was interim guy yeah, last year. Yeah. Is is Durant available right now? He hasn't demanded a trade. Like you Stephen A. says,
0: he is. Okay. He hasn't demanded it.
2: He it hasn't leaked yet, but he says Boston's calling on it. And- I would hope Portland's calling on it too. Yeah. If I'm if I'm Brooklyn, I'm probably not making that deal right now. You can get better trade assets in the summer. I would imagine when roster situation is a little bit different. See what you got in the playoffs. Maybe they go on a surprising run. Maybe KD and role players is enough to win in the East. I don't I don't understand why, unless he demands it, why you would trade him right now he's got three years left on his contract. So I'm not putting that expectation on him at this deadline. I will, by the time the summer comes around, like, Hey, now it's time to ask for get off the pot. You got to figure this out, but not encouraging stuff there from Bobby on, on the use of Nurkic contract.
0: Well, you know, I know this is, an obvious answer that I would imagine I can hear Blazer fans screaming in, in my in my ear. What if I told you they didn't make a big move in the summer and they were willing to wait to the next deadline?
2: Yeah, then you're then you're starting to lose me. I, Cronin deserves the benefit of the doubt. I'm not punishing him for the sins of Neil Olshay. He deserves a little bit of time to figure this out. But if you go through in a full offseason without another big-time move and you're just, hey, let's try this again, yeah, you're going to start losing me.
0: By the way, last night you brought up uh, one of the listeners said, uh, hey, another biggest 6'5 guy in the league type player, the way we talk about Gary, he's the biggest 6'3 in the league. Did you see the moment where Brooke Lopez just caught an alley oop and dunked all <laughs> over him? His balls were on Gary's head, <laughs> and happen. Gary kind of pushed him. And I go, "He did not quite, not quite as big as we needed you to be at six There, Gary needs six you to <laughs> be a 6'10, six three guy. Six three does not stretch to seven one. Also, Chauncey Billups asked by Meringue "Why Nazir Little's not playing?" Which is baffling, and he says he's not consistent enough. With his shot and his defense and I I just wanted to say, how how's how's Shaden doing on that? He was 0 of six last night. How is he on defense? Horrible. Like you know I'm a Shaden guy. Yeah. But, he's
2: a 19-year-old rookie. He's horrible on defense,
0: I, and I like that he's playing. But don't play that dude 20 minutes and then not play Nazir Little and then cite consistency problems for why Nas isn't playing and not care about him for shade. It's it's, it's ridiculous. a whole other
2: lingering issue with this team. I don't I think know. they have a good coach. I don't think they do. Personally, either. I don't think they have a good coach. Yeah, I, I mean, it just it's clockwork. You turn on a game and you you, know, you you can be 10 minutes late to a game and before you even turn on your television, you just bet money in your head. Hey, I bet they're down by double digits. <laughs> let's let's oh, see yeah. if we can dig ourselves a hole in the first five minutes. Of this game where we give up nothing but layups on the other end, we're chucking up threes and not making them, and it's like, well, shots just aren't falling tonight. Well, there you are. You're down thirteen to two, and now you got to dig out of a hole. Yeah, but I hate that. I hate that it's always this easy. Shots well, aren't shots falling. Are
0: yeah. But <laughs> because Milwaukee plays good defense. They're getting you're getting shots, but they want you to shoot some of those shots, man. Yeah. It's a whole other issue this offseason. You gotta figure I out. I was told last night that Dame Lillard years ago, I I was talking about Drew Holiday. And I just feel like Drew Holiday plays really tough when he plays Dame. This goes back to the Pelicans days.
2: He torched Portland last night.
0: And uh, it just, he's a big body dude, right? Kind of what you would want next to Damian Lillard. A good defender. Yeah. Well, like a good size guard who's a good defender and cares about that side of the ball. I was told last night Dame wanted them to go after Drew Holiday years ago. And Neil just, no,
2: thanks. I mean, we got CJ McCollum. Why would we want Drew Holiday? Yeah. Defense doesn't matter, Brandon. Don't you know that? I I still
0: think we're being reminded. I know Joe's in that spot. I still think we're reminded, and we are now, especially with the pick protection crap, we're reminded how truly awful he really was, Mm -hmm. which might might inspire a segment, biggest fraud in Portland sports scene.
2: (laughs) He might have to be in the top five of that list. We might have to get to that next week when things are slowing down after the Super Bowl. It's just another reminder of where we're at. But Portland lost last night in blowout fashion. Never really close. And uh, the Milwaukee Bucks showed you, hey, this is what a championship team looks like. Portland is a galaxy away from that. And now we'll see what they can do in the next two days. We'll have a little bit more on the trade deadline, obviously, tomorrow. Kevin Pelton's going to join the show at 730. So we'll see what his thoughts are on the Blazers, the deadline and all that. And then uh, we'll see if any action takes place on Thursday. Uh, But that's enough hoops for today. All right, let's get back to some football stuff. I got some college football notes for you in the final hour, including a hilarious contract that was given out to an offensive coordinator that we need to talk about. Our buddy Bill Connolly came out with an interesting ranking on ESPN. Then that I would like to discuss. A coach is looking for a new coordinator after both of his coordinator two new coordinators after both of his coordinators left. So we got some college football notes. Mail sack at 815. NFL news and notes coming up at 830. It's going to be a football final hour. Get your questions in 503-250-1080 for the mail sack at 815. Don't go anywhere. Dirt spray gone. 1080 the fan.